1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down... Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to once again the Bass Guy Get Beers. Brother, this is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Palatine. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal. Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. You here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. You're listening to the final cast on Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. I'm Brad. I'm Matt. Hey, Matt. Are you all right, dude? Yeah, I just zoned out. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. My head is like getting squeezed because this hat, and I can't get rid of the hat because it's signed by Brian, La- Brian Latimer. So I got to keep it. Oh, yeah, but, I keep it. That's cool. Yeah, it just it hurts my head. I don't yeah. understand. I'm not getting smarter. If anything, I'm getting stupider. So my head should be shrinking and not expanding. <laughs> this is dumb. Yeah. But whatever. Oh, uh, how are how are you, uh, leprosy sick man? I'm doing better, man. I, I had that fever for about 12 hours and then you know, tested positive for the Rona and all that good fun stuff. So <clears throat> I'm getting better though. Well, there you go. Yep. So um with that said, we are brought to you by Dark Horse Tackle, the monthly subscription box, 100% made in the USA. Um, we're going to do a little unboxing. It's that time of the month again, so 
I got the Weekend Warrior box here that they sent me. Uh, Matt has the champion box that he got. So let's get into it. Also, if you want to sub subscribe to their box, use Paddle20 code and it'll save you 20% off your first monthly subscription. And I just dropped the card. So give me a second. Oh, good job. Well, <laughs> while you're finding that out, I'll just start mine. Uh, so. <clears throat> Just like Brad said, he got the uh, Weekender box, and I got the Champion box. They have different levels, so no matter what your budget is, you can get covered. Um, in the Champion box, you get a ton of hard uh, hard baits that are hand-painted, great blanks, big swim baits, everything. Uh, and this month, I we got I got some good stuff, to tell you the least. Um, it's always good stuff. <laughs> I know. It is. It's always good stuff. But this month's even better. So I'll start. We'll go lowest to highest. Um, like I've said in other shows, this box is 79 bucks a month. So we'll start at the lowest and then we'll do the add on thing at the end. But the first thing, which is technically the cheapest thing in the box, but one of my favorite is the hand painted shower blows, oh, which is, I mean, one of the best topwater baits ever, a big bright orange head, pink back, and then clear, clear coat body, um, super sticky hooks, feather treble. Um, and that's $14. That's literally six dollars cheaper than what it is from evergreen um, who makes that one so this is made by robusto lures which he's a pretty he's a he's a staple yeah. um he's in every box and he's fantastic uh, i'll put this if I he does this. mostly top water stuff too he does a lot of top water stuff yeah he's i've got two crankbaits from him but his top water stuff is just choice um Robusto lures. I would. My light is stupid. I need to fix that so you can't see anything. But we'll move on. So next we have the Uma Colt, which is this right here. So crankbait, hmm. which is in that fire tiger color, um, small profile, balsa wood bait with a computer chip bill. I mean, it's just fantastic. Again, sticky hooks. Um, and the Uma Colt is $17. There's a $17 balsa hand painted crankbait. Nice. That's fire crawl color, also known as everyone's favorite color to buy and throw. Oh, next. Another guy that I get all the time makes almost everything I've ever got out of balsa black label. Um, his, his company name is black label balsa. Um, which if I can get this out, cause <clears throat> and they're sticking to the packaging <laughs> i don't think I've, I've heard of that company yet yeah black label i get him in almost every box so here's just a like a topwater plug or a topwater spook um let's see if i can get close enough to where my camera's not being stupid or my light it's still being stupid but really nice gold pattern um i almost want to say it's like a lemony pattern but it's called foiled morning dawn which morning dawn to me is typically pink so it's nothing like i would think it is but it's a really nice, <laughs> subtle gold chartreuse color and again 100 percent balsa um and that's 20 bucks so we're already at like 40 bucks with three lures and we got two of the big boys coming up so next and i'm super pumped for this and i think this is a fantastic uh <clears throat> would be a fantastic lure for anyone who wants to get into the swim bait game, but this is from combat lures. Um, it's in uh, greenback shad and it is the 115 song blank. And it is a little glide bait. Let's see. Can I make this work? Yeah, that's good. It's in a little glide bait, beautifully done. 
he actually put little hook protectors on it and i took one off when i was testing them and uh, i stabbed myself so they're super <laughs> sharp um but very well done very great good colors i mean it's got that it's a greenback shad but you could have this be a shad blank a shad imitator you could have it be a baby bass <clears throat> imitator and it's literally i mean lengthwise super small well like four inches three inches i would say four inches um but four inches and it's the perfect size to be bit pretty much year round. I mean, you could throw this spring, summer, fall, early winter, and it's still going to get bit. Um, fantastic. And that's 25 bucks. So now we're at 75. We've already hit the like $2 under what normal thing would be. Yep. And then we have another robot, uh, Robusto. Is this the last one? This is the last one. Another $25 bait, another swim bait. Like I said, if you're a swim bait fan, this is the box for you. This is the E3 flat belt blank. Ooh, that one looks cool. Um, really nice green color, nice tail. These tails are replaceable. Again, super sharp hooks. I can tell you my thumb down there right now is getting stabbed, and I'm afraid <laughs> to move because it's going to get ripped. Uh, but really uh, nice blue translucent black back. Um, fantastic. Fantastic job on that. And I've used this blank, the E5 or the ES, excuse me. It it swims fan it swims awesome. You can walk it like a dog great. Um, and that's 25 bucks. So total for this box was $105. I mean, not bad. Uh, fantastic for something that you're getting for 80 bucks. And all these lures are something you could use. You have your small topwater spook, the shower blows, which is like the best topwater of all time. Two swim baits of different sizes and a fire crawl crankbait that is like that crawl color and it's 100% balsa. I mean, you can run this just about everywhere and get bit somewhere. No matter where you're at in the country, you're getting bit. Yeah. And did I say that hooks are super sharp? Yeah. Be careful, man. Yeah. All right. So my weekend warrior box, I'm not going to spend a lot of time you know, talking about each bay, but uh, I got the Doc Master Wart, and Matt showed me. You probably can't even see that, can you? A little bit. the The paint job on this thing's awesome. I, I took it out of the package as the first thing I noticed out of the box. This little thing. Matt told me that this was the Rock Crawler blank. So correct. Yeah, cool little uh, crankbait. Uh, dives ten to twelve feet. Uh, next we got the Jigmaster Spinnerbait. Which I was so, so pumped when I saw this, man. So nice. I love Jigmaster spinner baits, man. Oh, they're them. amazing. They're amazing. One, they're built well. They swim great. Oh, dude, I love them. Yeah. White and chartreuse skirt, orange, uh, or not orange, um, chartreuse uh, willow blade and a white Colorado blade. So that's going to be a nice little uh, river muddy water special. Um, let's see. Buzzing baits. We got a buzz bait from buzzing baits and I kind of messed up their logo cause I took it out on accident, <laughs> but it kind of reminds me of like that beer company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 Coors Light or something. Maybe Cor it's either Coors Light. Yeah. It's one of them. Yeah. So that's cool. And then this one caught, caught my eye too. uh, motivated fishing and on the package says we're faith and fishing meat. So they're a faith based company, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, these are called the Revelation Crawl. I'll take one out real quick and show you because they're uh, laminated tops like a green pumpkin with black flake and the bottoms like a June bug. So that's what they look like. And wow, woo, they smell like uh, garlic. Very oh, heavy baby. scented garlic. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, smell I, it right now. <laughs> I thought the same thing when I pulled mine out because I was so like transfixed on the 
a the crocs i got a different color i wish i would have brought it down but I forgot it upstairs I, and it just looks awesome um it's a it's a ghost crawl kind of or it's kind of that white tan crawl uh and then i saw the jig masters uh uh spinner bait and i was like oh thank god i have another one to add in my box and then i saw those and i was like oh so i opened the package and it just like hit me in the face i was like yeah. <laughs> they're super garlicky but it's a great i mean it's a great uh shape to have because you can pitch it you can flip it you can carolina rig it you can do everything with that type That's of true. crawl and it's great because you can cut it down make it smaller yeah. as a jig trailer it's like it's a, a perfect crawl kind of exactly but yeah. you have a ton of them in that pack yeah so yeah, it's pretty cool. That I don't know how many they have in here. It don't say, but there's a bunch, so that's cool. And then the last thing here is it's like a staple to the Dark Horse tackle box. You get these quite a bit. Uh, motion fishing uh, flipping jigs. It's a brown with black and like a little bit of purple in it. So cool box. It's probably my favorite box I've gotten so far. So pretty cool. Oh yeah, and I mean these boxes are getting better. Like they've just slowly but surely, like they were good when we first started getting them, and I couldn't complain about what I was getting. But slowly but surely, they've just gotten better and better and better and better. Like I, I can't. I'm so pumped to see how much better it gets in the coming months. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting because we're transitioning that fall or not fall winter. Kind of curious how they do that. So it wouldn't hurt them probably go to maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's companies out there that, that make uh, ice fishing stuff. Yep. That would be cool. Um, so, yeah, that's our uh, that's our Dark uh, Horse Tackle Box. Um, use code PADDLE20, like I mentioned before, to get you 20% off. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Nico Bates. I was about to say, yeah, I'll, I'll go into the Nico baits. So uh, we're also sponsored by Nico baits on this segment. Uh, some of the best super plastic baits you can get on the market. Um, ton of different shapes. They're known for their leeches and their uh, Helgermites. Me and Brad can both attest to that. Leech will get you bites when nothing else will. And that includes some of your big name, you know, Ned Rig baits and things like that. I mean, we were getting, we couldn't get bent on our TRD, but we caught like 15 fish off the same log combined on two leeches of the same color like they just didn't care they wanted the leech and they ate it um so fantastic baits fantastic company we did a show with them a couple weeks ago so go check that out um and just nicobaits.com and they'll get y'all set up cool man i'm excited for this episode so i'm gonna preface this by saying we had a listener reach out to us he's really wanting to get in the kayak uh, camping, uh, like river floats, camping on the banks, you know, doing 10 miles one day, 10 miles the next day, whatever. So we went through, I don't know, we, we tried finding somebody, but we just could not find somebody. And finally I posted on Instagram and I, I had, I think it was Sam Cox. So if you're listening, he mentioned, uh, to have us bring on Chris Funk. So welcome to the show, Chris, how you doing? Hey, Good to have you. I tell you what, those boxes y'all went over. I just spent three days fishing and uh and got my tail whipped every day out there. But the boxes y'all just went over sure makes me want to get back out there and go again. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's 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 the thing about Dark Horse. I feel like every month, like if I because I mean I fish a ton, so does Brad, and we'll get we'll get burnt out. It just happens no matter how much you love something. And I'll get my box in and it'll immediately go away. I'm like, all right, let's yeah. go back out. I got let's I got go five new things again. to try. Exactly. I love it. Love it. So, Chris, you're no stranger to Paddle and Finn. You've been on numerous segments before. Um, but just in case somebody has not heard those, just give a little introduction about yourself and who you are. Oh, man, I'm 
Chris Funk, and, and, and honestly, my, my biggest claim to fame, I tell people my life revolves around six Fs, my faith, my family, and then fur, fins, feathers, and photography. And uh, it's all about that order. You know, if you keep that order right, everything else falls in right behind it. And I've, uh, I, I don't know if you'd call it professionally, but Jackson keeps me around because I tend to run a camera a little bit and, and try to shoot straight and, and do everything we possibly can. I've even wrote my wife and, uh, and my boy into it some, but my bride, she's been, she's been on a lot of my late videos and, and, and we, we look at it as almost a, a ministry, just kind of helping folks out and, and, and showing them what to do or how to do it. And Hey, you know, I'm a, pretty large dude you can do it too you know <laughs> and, and, and instead of having some spider monkey jumping up and down in the seat saying you could do this you could do this well hey I'm, I'm a big old boy you can do this i promise you you know so it's kind of a it's it's been a fun thing it's been a blast i've i've been a, a canoeist for 20 something years before i jumped over into the kayaks and and i've been a, a member of jackson kayak for 10 years this month so this is my anniversary with them and it's been a fun ride. We've enjoyed it. We've, uh, and I, I shared a post today that said the honest truth, the best thing about these kayaks, not only the places you get to go and the things you get to see, but the people that we've been blessed to, to now call friends and honestly family has been the greatest gift uh, that we've received out of these plastic boats. So that's me in a nutshell, man. I'm usually behind a camera, not in front of it. I, although I spent all day today in front of a camera, so it's kind of funny that, that I, I ended up on the other side of it. But uh, it's fun. I mean, I enjoy sharing the different things that we get to see and do. That's 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 what that's the best thing about it. Yeah, it is for sure. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, <laughs> it's not all about the fishing all the time. It's all everything that it brings with it, which is awesome. So, fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, we spent yesterday, uh, which uh, Sam, I know where he fished at a couple, couple, couple days ago for a tournament, and uh, he said, you know, conditions have changed, water dropped, and the fish got locked, y'all. And we went yesterday thinking... With a, I mean, a 20 degree drop today, it was supposed to have been an incredible cold front come through. We thought, man, it ought to fire them up. And we got our tails whipped too. It was, we got, <laughs> but I mean, you know, everybody caught fish, but it wasn't, it wasn't what you were hoping for. But man, you yeah, got, we were surrounded by fall leaves and and paddling with with a couple ladies that got to push a little bit of white water in their boats and and go through a, a few little bit of comfort envelopes. And uh, but man, just just a good time, good memories and. Yeah, there's days that you go out there and just wreck them, but uh, these those those days make you look forward to these other days, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the truth. Yeah, you ain't wrong. No sir. All right, so um, let's get into it. I know uh, you're big into camping and kayak fishing, so put two together. Um, where do you want to start with this? 
you want to start safety or I I would definitely say safety just because of what happened to us last year. And and for those of you who don't know, uh, the, the article came out kayak angler this past episode, and I've also got a video. Jeff Little's got a video about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we we were doing a, a, a two night three day float on the Tallapoosa River. It's fifty miles, and you know that the the thing you think about, like you said, your friend wanted to go ten miles a day. You'd be surprised how hard it is to push 10 miles a day, even with the river going underneath you and, and mm-hmm. with current at your back. Well, we ran 10 miles or 13 miles the first day and then uh, 20 miles the, the next day. And on that, the 20 miler, it rained the whole day. And mm-hmm. when we went to bed that night, the river was at uh, 9,000 CFS, I believe. And, uh, and or maybe it'd be less, might've been 7,000 CFS. Well, at, six in the next the next morning in the dark and thankfully the outfitter he told us he said put your kayaks above your tents he said make yeah. sure and that way if the water rises it's going to hit your tent first you know and you think well heck but i mean honestly your kayak is your lifeline and we we had we had actually used it uh used the kayaks to to hold the tarp up that was over us from the rain well jeff rolled over i i actually felt my tent move thinking that uh, Robert, the guy that was in the tent next to me, had just jostled my tent when he flipped over. Unbeknownst to me, I was floating. All of us oh were on our goodness. little air mattresses, and we were floating. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, when Jeff Little hollered, we got water. Man, every one of us jumped out. And, I mean, we're there, you know, all grown men in our drawers, you know, standing in shin-deep water at the time. And, I mean, we had just seen a, a large cottonmouth upstream, so I'm oh. I'm trying to keep an eye upstream to see, make sure something like that's not floating down on us or a, a log jam or what. You know, I mean, the water was coming, and it was coming fast. And we started, you know, just grabbing and throwing stuff up on dry ground. And as fast as you grab more stuff to go to dry ground, that ground was getting, you know, underwater. So we kept pulling, pulling. And by the time we got everything loaded and got got to the boats to get out of there, it was at 17,000 CFS and had risen wow. like nine feet. So when we got out of there, it was, you know, now you're concerned about strainers. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, there was no fishing. It was just, we're all soaked. We're all beat. You know, thank God we're alive still, but, but stay away from the banks, get out of here as fast, as safe as possible. And it's, I would say, make sure that, you know, one conditions, we, didn't have, we had a drizzle where we were at. I mean, it was, it was enough to make it soggy and just a pain in the butt, but mm-hmm. upstream had had an absolute deluge. I mean, inches of rain and that was above a hydro uh, dam. So they had released all that and their floodgates. And we, we didn't expect that to happen. We didn't know it was going to come. So make sure that your kayaks are above your tent, you know, and that's going to be the always, you need to do that everywhere you go. Cause if the water comes up, that, which is what happened to us. Hopefully it'll, it'll wake you up ahead of time, but always have a plan. I mean, our PFDs were on our, our kayaks and our paddles were on our kayaks. So that's your entire lifeline. Mm-hmm. If you save that, Hey man, the tent can go all the other gear, all that's replaceable. But, yep. but if you got your kayak, you've got your paddle and you got your PFD, you're going to get out of there. And that's the main, that was the main thing for us. And thankfully we had set it up kind of like that just because of being used to doing that. The other thing is I had my, uh, my Nakwa lights were, were on there from the night before I had them on my command stand, which I use as a camera bar on the back of my boat. So when I, we jumped up as I hit that button and it lit the whole camp. So we were all, you know, before we could get the headlamps to figure out what was going on, at least we had light to see what was going on. So I would keep a light source handy and, and your boats above your camp. That's the number one safety thing. The other thing I'd say would be to file a float plan that makes sure no, somebody knows Mm-hmm. When to expect you, 
And, and if you deviate, like I do that on a normal trip. I mean, uh, my bride who, you know, and it, it ain't just cause she's checking up on me. It's just, you know, we're getting older. Things happen, man. I slipped in the yep. rocks and, you know, things like that can happen. And, and I <laughs> want her to know, Hey, this is where I'm going to be. And this is when you can expect me home. And if I get to a, a landing and I'm not launching there, something changes, conditions change. I'll text her and say, look, I'm changing from goat rock. I'm heading to Oliver. And that way she knows, you know, what's going to happen. And should something happen and I not show up, there's there's two or three guys that she knows she can call and say, hey, Chris didn't come home. This is where he said he's going to be. And those guys know where to come find me. Yeah, that's a good point uh, about having the kayaks above your head, because a lot of us don't realize. Like how important that is. I know, I know most, most of us would probably just park it right on the bank. You know what I mean? Right. The if they, if they would have been lower on the bank, we'd have lost everything. We would have had no way out of there. And I mean, you're in the middle of nothing in, in that Potomka, Alabama area. I mean, we'd have had to ride wild hogs to get out of there if, if it would have, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, just that bank rise was probably, you know, it, I don't know, maybe at the time was probably seven feet out of the water and mm. we drug them close to 75 yards from the water's edge and never thought, you know, that we would have had a problem. But by putting them, you know, another few feet on the, on the up bank side of the mm-hmm. tents, it saved us all. Yeah. I learned something. There we go. Something I never <laughs> thought of. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like how you brought up the float plan. Um, a lot of people don't think about that. I've been doing that for a while with hunting, for example, going up mm, into a yes. tree, um, I'm sure you might be familiar with meat eater, but whenever I listen to that podcast, they came out with two books, their campfire stories, which are just basically their stories of the worst that could happen, but the person still survived. Right. right. And on every single one of those books on both books, there's like three stories of people going up in tree stands and falling out. They couldn't reach their phone. One guy's back was broken. Couldn't move anything from chest down, Hmm. um, which Lord bless him. He's good. He's good now. He was, right. it was apparently it was a pinched nerve or something, but he's okay now, but he couldn't reach his phone. No one knew where he was at. Cause he didn't want anybody to know his hunting spot. Right. So I, I which I can, I can understand that. Uh, yeah, I really can. Too. Yes. But, uh, it, I've got to the point to where I'm going out cause I hunt out of a saddle. So the joy of a saddle is I can hunt any tree. The bad thing of the saddle is I get a little risky with my trees that I pick. <laughs> and, uh, with, the, I've, I've got to the point I tell my wife, where I'm going. If I have self-service and I get there, I will send her my location. Mm. And I tell her every three hours, just text me. And if I don't text you back within 30 minutes, call me. Right. She knows not to call me when I'm hunting, but oh, if yes. I don't text you back, call me. Um, so we have like a, it's a hunting plan. So I look at it, but having a float plane, especially in this situation, you're gone for a couple of days or even just a float um, for I'm putting in for a couple hours and I'll be back. I mean, you never know what'll happen. I mean, I was right. in, shin deep water and i got i i slipped and it got sucked underneath my kayak the bad thing i was with brad and he didn't even turn around and look and see if i was all right <laughs> i was still fishing uh, yeah. hey, i had the i had the same thing happen to me on the river up uh my my boy and, and chris large and a friend of ours was fishing and and they were on the rocks on the shoals and i literally slipped into a, a crevice and the water came over my i was still wearing pfd but the water came over my head and it it shoved my shoulders together and i could not get up and out of it and oh, i mean man. they weren't 50 yards away and by the time i popped up and out of it you know i looked over and they're still casting i'm like these these goobers would have let me sit here and die in three inches of water you know it's a, i literally slipped in shin deep and i went back over a riffle that had a deeper hole and i went under and i saw my boat 
going over top of me and i was like oh and i was like thank god it's a bona fide so i shoved my hands up into the channels and pushed it back over and got back up and i've got some footing i stood up and brad's just oh yeah and i mean i was making some noise on the way down like i went down i was like oh and i went down and i get up and i was like and i even said i was like thanks brad and he's like huh just kept fishing. I, I was like, I could have been maimed. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been dead. Like, that would have sucked. <laughs> well, that, I, you know, it's on that other safety note would be to, to, to Lord knows as gear mongers as we are, uh, <laughs> to not overload your boat. You know, every, yeah. that's been a big industry discussion lately is people that are, you know, over, over their capacity of their boat. And I mean, I, you know, the, the, the take two that I was in, which is a random, it's rated for a tandem load and, and it's a, a very good uh, solo or tandem boat, but man, it's an aircraft carrier. And I, and I probably had 200 pounds of gear or more on that thing. And, and, but the, the, the one thing I'd say about the way you load it, one, do not overdo your, your capacity. And two, to uh, uh, make sure as you load it, that, that you're, that I've, I've, I put out a video. I don't know if anybody ever watches my YouTube stuff, but I put out a video on how to place the stuff in your boat. Dry load testing is -hmm. what you want to do at the house. You want to make sure that it's all going to fit and where you want it to go. And then two, when you get out onto the water, you know, don't just take off. You paddle it around and see how is it going to handle. Does it, did it change your, your uh, center of gravity? Did it change you? Are you going to be paddling like a turd and, and, and walking out like a zero spook? Well, if you're trying to paddle 10 miles and you're walking a dog, it's going to be horrible. So, yeah. uh, you know, and, 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 and what do I need to get to say your cell phones in your dry pack? You know, if it's under a hundred pounds of, of your camping gear and you start having chest pains, you know, so, I mean, you got to think about stuff like that. Yeah. That, that, you know, and, and another thing will probably be for your liquids, uh, for, uh, one little safe thing I added this year was one of them, uh, filter pins for drinking. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I, and I yep. tried it out on the, I drank the Talapusa the whole way. Cause I'm like, I'm just going to try it out, you know, see what it does. <laughs> so, and, and I bought a, a survivor pro filter. So I said, I wanted to see if I could be self-sustaining and make water while I was out there. And, and it was really neat. It was kind of a fun part although it was a, a for real safety test, you know, for me, right. but I, mm-hmm. of course I'm a perpetual boy scout. I'm always trying to figure out ways to do things and, you know, but it was fun, but it, if it was needed, I would know that I, you know, had I run out of water, I'd have been good to go with those products. So. Yeah. I was, I've always, always been curious about those things. Does it make the water taste different? No, I mean, sure. Not a, look. And I, and I go back to my YouTube video. Like I said, I, I, I do, I do stuff. I don't make any money off of it. I've got mm-hmm. it monetized, but it's just because them suckers throw uh, uh, commercials wherever they want to if you don't. Yeah. So that's the only reason yeah. I've even got it monetized. It's not like I get anything out of it. But if you look, I've got a goldfish pond in the backyard. And I mean, it, that water looks like 42 miles of broke up road. It is gnarly. <laughs> and uh, and I pumped that that pump and you know filtered that water out. And I was talking in the video and I took a sip of it. And I mean, and it honestly tasted like you know, a Dasani or whatever you will. I just yeah. slugged it. And somebody on my video says, I, I was shocked when you drank that water. I'm like, why the heck? I, that's what it was for. I'm showing how yeah. that filter works, you know, just because you're too chicken to do it, you know. Uh, but uh, it's a, yeah, you're going to end up pooping like a goose. Like, no, I, I was good. I, it yeah. 99.9% of everything out of it. So that's probably that's better cool. than your tap water in Alabama, you know. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's better than our tap water. I can tell you that. But, but yeah, I mean, I can 100% attest to testing your gear. I mean, I was in the marine corps so obviously if we got anything new thank you for your service sir oh yes sir i appreciate it but we would we would 
beat the crap out of gear to see a when we could break it and i can promise you no matter what gear it was we always find a we always try we always broke it eventually but we would try to break it military grade Yep. A military Brad, what I tell you about military grade. I know that's why I brought it up. Yeah. Military grade is the bottom bidder. That's the person who got the government to buy the cheapest stuff at the cheapest price. But we would always find a way to break it. And then those life straws that we got, uh, it was uh, uh I don't even know what company it was a branded life straw. And it was the same thing. I was out in the field one time and I was looking at this nasty swamp water. And I was looking at it and I just kept looking back and I'm eating my MRE. I keep looking back and my buddies look at me. He's like, why are you looking at the water? Cause we had been on a different training op and we had a gator going through. We were doing some, uh, recon ops and we were going through in gillies and everything. And one of my guys bumped into a gator and we all freaked out because <laughs> most of us, we had one dude who was from Alabama and the rest of us were from New York. I was from Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. So like, that's the biggest animal we've seen on land other than <laughs> things I want to kill you. Right. And, uh, he's like, you see a gator? I was like, no. I just grabbed my life straw. I was like, I'm going to drink it. He's like, dude, don't do that. I was like, I'm going to do it. See what happens. And I just went over there. I took five or six long rips of it. And I was like, it it tastes fine. I mean, we'll see what happens. And I was fine. And ever since then, I would make every, all my new boots do it. They come out and be like, drink the water, life straws. And then if they didn't have that, once you have confidence in a tool, then you're more willing to use it. Because if it's the first time ever using it, I mean, your mind can play some tricks on you. Even if you right. drink through a life straw and you think that it's not going to do anything, you'd be surprised what your mind will do to you where it'll make you feel like you're sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. So I made sure everyone tested it. And if they didn't have it, if they didn't follow the packing list, they were still drinking it. Uh, they just didn't have the joy of a life straw. So <laughs> no crunchy bits. <laughs> oh, they, they got, they got some slime in their mouth. Uh, That's nasty. Yeah, it's they. I guarantee you, they, they if they're in the Marine Corps still, they're packing the whole packing list. They didn't now, forget it the next time, did they? Mm-mm. Yes, Mm-mm. that's funny. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I hundreds. That's a good point because I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, because when you think well, you figure I don't have, water, you can go a lot longer without food. I mean, especially me, it looks like I can go about three or four months, but <laughs> you cannot go that far without water, and that's the most important thing, you know. Yeah. Oh, for sure, and I mean, a lot of us, and we'll get into you know gear and stuff that you use, but. I don't have, I have zero experience kayak camping. Like I've gone out and, you know, been in the field and I've, that's, that's about the most rustic camping as you can get. But, um, and I've done in hunt camps and stuff like that, where you bring your water in and we, somebody will have one of the bigger life water things that you can put water in and clean it out and everyone Mm -hmm. can drink from it. But I never even thought about doing that for a one day. Let's say you're going out for one day, Mm -hmm. but kind of like how you explained to where if you were out there and that water rose and there was a, a deadfall or something, you can't get by it. Now you're stuck in the wilderness for a couple extra days. There's, there's I mean, books one, full of people that, that thought one day trips was going to be it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one, one day became a week or yep. 14 days or, you know, I mean, so yeah, that's, I'm happy you brought that up. Cause I wouldn't even have thought to ask you that. Cause I wasn't even thinking about it. So good job. <laughs> so, we, we talked a little bit about, about safety. Let's talk about like the must have products in order to do like a day to day float, two day float, for example. So well, I'm like, old, so I like <laughs> comfort and I'll start right. with the, the most comfortable thing, which, you know, there's a difference. Like, like if you say, if you see a one man tent, no, that ain't, uh, uh-uh, that ain't made for me. <laughs> now I know some people love a, a hammock. And I, I can I can nap in a hammock, but I cannot stay all night long in a hammock. That just doesn't work. 
So I, I've, I've actually got a small tent and, and the smaller the tent you can have, the better. But to me, uh, a two man tent is a one man tent. I just don't, I, right. I don't handle a one man tent. That's too much like a coffin. So, uh, the, the Kelty late start is the one that I use and I like it a whole lot cause it is super easy to put up. I mean, you can practically do it in the dark. Um, and the, the freestanding poles, I like an exoskeleton type tent. So that's what I use, but more important to me than the tent is having some sort of mattress to go on. And, uh, I know some folks could tough it out, sleep on the ground, more power to you fellas. That's this boy ain't one of them. And, uh, I'm, I'm too daggum old for that. So I, I have the, the climate, uh, uh, and I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not sponsored by any of this stuff. This is just a product that I use the climate, uh, uh, oh gosh, the, uh, uh, the static five static V static five and that the small one. And I used it like straight on the two by fours out there in Okie Finoki swamp to on the trail to you name it. I, I use that thing for years and actually end up giving it to my boy when the monster, the big one came out and it, it'll inflate, you know, 25 or 30 breaths. Uh, it'll make you lightheaded. So sit down while you're doing it. But it, yeah. it, it if you inflate that thing, it, it's so comfortable. Um, so definitely the sleeping mat, uh, I actually take one of their little chairs. I got the climate chairs and they go in a little bitty bag, you know, and they're rated for, for a decent size feller. And, but it, that's just the comfort stuff. Do you have to have it? No. Cause most of us have kayaks now that the seats have come out. You can use that. So that's just a- extra. The sleeping pad is a, is a, a, a must have for me. I would say double up definitely on your lighting. I always have a, a headlamp. Uh, and I, and I would probably double up on a headlamp just because, but, uh, I, I, I tend to take a Nakwa set of, of lights. I've got a little bitty small set of Nakwa lights. And then the batteries are also what I use to charge, you know, my phone and stuff like that if I need to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's just kind of anything that you can have that'll serve dual purpose works well, uh, for cooking the, uh, Kelly kettle is the, what I I've started using a whole lot and it kind of nests together. Uh, it's just a, a little kettle that'll boil your water and, and heat your food if you want, or you could, you could cook on it like a little grill. Uh, to me, they're relatively inexpensive. Now I know like you could take a Coleman stove or a single burner or a rocket stove or whatever you want to, but the little Kelly kettle does all of it. Cause coffee is, you know, almost the most important thing out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I got, I want to have my, my hot water for my coffee when I'm out there, but that little Kelly kettle is neat. And the thing is you can stack it up with, pine cones and you know sticks twigs whatever anything that's combustible you can you can make heat in that kelly kettle and it'll boil water in just a few minutes and then you've got Hmm. stuff that you can use it's pretty it's a handy little thing it's a i think it's like a an irish uh uh, um, homage to to a tea kettle that was made back there centuries ago but it's it's a it's a neat little old deal and i've got a couple of those i got a trekker which is the smallest and then the scout, which is the middle one. And, and it's, it'll do enough and I can cook for two folks on it if I need to, or, or just for me. Usually everybody that goes with us is self-sustaining. You know, we don't, we don't like, I, I make plans for me cause that's the same way I do my trips. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and you see the, the bottom as your fire base and you just light that up and it goes through the, the center's hollow. So it's a volcano kettle and it, it'll fi- shoot fire out of the top. Well, then you can cook on top of it while it's doing that. And that's what I carry for me. And to save on ice, I pre-make my meals here at the house. I'll do like steak, you know, uh, collard greens and taters, stuff like that. And I'll pre-make them in foil packs, pre-seasoned, and then I freeze them. 
And when I get them, I put them all those in my cooler instead of having to add extra ice or anything to it. And then I pull them right out, throw them on that Kelly kettle and heat them right there in camp. And I've got every, all my meals, you know, pre-season, so I don't have to carry salt, pepper, anything like that. And I I threw a set of titanium silverware down in that pack with a Kelly kettle and I'm good to go with that. So that's, I would say pre-making your, your, whatever meals you're going to have and, and pre-freezing them. You can do the same thing with, you know, bacon, eggs, of course, in Alabama, we use Koneka sausage, which is uh, the, the, like straight from heaven, you know, uh, uh, Koneka <laughs> sausage is awesome, but with that and some eggs and, and you can have some darn good meals. We only do, I tend to only do breakfast for, to get out and go. I want a good breakfast. And then yeah. in camp, I want to eat, but on the water, I just, I throw peanut butter oats and, and uh, some molasses together. And, and I eat that when I'm out on the water. Cause I do not want to stop when I'm going, I want to fish right. or paddle or fish and paddle, but I, I want to stay going. So I'll give you a little tip. One of the best on the water, there's two best on the water snacks that you can keep fishing and still eat. Even if you can't use your hands, a tortilla with your favorite brand of peanut butter. <laughs> yes. That would be good. Be- I mean, oh, it's so easy and it packs really nice and you can literally just suck it in. You don't even have to use your hands or Uncrustables. You'll get Ah, some weird looks at the grocery store if you're just a grown man (laughs) buying a pack of strawberry Uncrustables. But I tell you what, they pack great and they're delicious. The the peanut butter honey and oats or peanut butter molasses and oats. uh, Years and years ago, there was a a professional fisherman around here named uh, Red Holland. And he, he used to make peanut butter and honey sandwiches. And as a young one, I got hooked on that. And that was my, my kryptonite for a long time. And I try to do, I'm trying to sort of cut down, you know, the last few years I've, I've tried to pull off a few pounds. So I stay as far away from the bread, but I will sling it, that peanut butter and molasses and oats together. Cause that, Hey, that fuel, if you don't have the fuel, you're not going to paddle to your destination. I can promise right. you, you, yeah. you get that thousand yard stare and your tongue's hanging out your mouth, you know, you'll wish you had something. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst too man like yes, I, I've, I've had days like that where i'm just like so hungry i'm shaking at the end of the day i'm like i should have brought something <laughs> or i'm or gonna your kill something on, and eat it <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah your, your head's on fire we actually yep. just did a flow not too long ago it typically would take us like seven hours but it took us like 16 and well, we had all eight our, good no oh, it was man. i mean i couldn't stop and right. i mean and between between three of us that were out there we probably caught a hundred smallmouth and i mean it was just non-stop but i had ate my lunch early because i was like well we're at the halfway point this is typically when i eat my lunch well literally i know halfway point was like the quarter way point because i by the time we got back we were with our buddy when i dropped him off at his truck he was sitting on a picnic table with his hands in his head or head in his hands he was like dude my head hurts so bad brad had a headache i was i called my wife after and then she was like, oh, yeah, you know, thanks for letting me know that you were late. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to die. I got to stop at a speedway and get a pizza or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just starving. <laughs> well, and that, you know, back to that safety stuff, which we didn't talk about. I, a first aid kit, you know, to me, it's something yep. that, that that you should have. You should be have everything that you would need to get a hook out, you know, at least at least that kind of stuff. But we also added for ours uh, 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 the Pedialyte mix, you know, just in the in the pack that can mix with water. And that's yep. if you have somebody that is jacked up or, or dehydrated, you need to get those fluids back in them quickly. Uh, those things aren't cheap, but it, it's, it works really, really well. To, yep. And, and, and you can, I, we just throw them in the pack along with headache powders and things like that to just to make sure if something happens to somebody, you can, you can get them some help because you are your only crew there until you can get some help, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I, so, I mean, 
I've been in that situation before. I was just saying, like yeah. headaches. You know, I I get bad. Like, I, I get dehydrated. I'm not gonna sugarcoat right. it. So yeah, I've been there before. It, it's not fun. If you wait till you're thirsty to drink, you're probably one of them hard headed rascals that sits there and waits till you got the cotton mouth and you because you can't get stop fishing. Well, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, you fish well, for ten hours and you haven't peed. Yeah, you got a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, me and Matt did a float like that one time, and it was like within the first two hours, I already went like four times because I chugged, I chugged before we even started. I was like, it's I'm like not carbo loading. Today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was like, you are you all right? You keep peeing. I'm like. I drank a ton, so I didn't get that migraine today. I was about to say, I mean, we're 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 getting. I mean, we're both in our early thirties, but you never know. And you know, the sign when a man starts peeing a lot could be something really bad. Yes, so I was like, yes. and the first thing in my head, I was like, "Dude, Brad's got cancer." I was like, "Brad, are you okay?" He's like, "Yeah, dude, I just drank like two gallons of water before because I didn't want a headache." I was like, "Okay, I mean, that's fine." But you know what happened? Like two hours later. I didn't bring any water because I'm an idiot. Oh, yeah. And I was like, Brad, man, I need some water. And uh, <laughs> he gave me some water. I mean, I was to the point to where I was looking at the, the great Miami river and I was like, you know what, man, the water's probably not that bad. It'd be all right. I mean, it's be fine. And uh, see, if you yeah. had that life straw in your pack, that's the, you'd you know, been see, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I should have had that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking actually about putting uh, uh what are they called? Uh, mm. Camel back, oh, camel back, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. back of my kayak seat because I just always have water, fill it up before I go, and then I can just I can keep fishing and drink at the same time, right? So yeah, you know. I've done that before. I used to have one. Yeah. So that I well, I had the camel back I was in the Marine Corps with, and I don't think that's seen the light of day since I got out five years ago. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's right there. It's it over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I let my wife do that. She loves me enough. <laughs> she'll do it for me. <laughs> So oh, man. you brought up a good point talking about the cooking and stuff. And I, that was something I've never even thought about. Uh, so you, all your meals that you bring with you, you. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives make a statement, or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At MidwayUSA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Uh, pre-cook everything. I do. Right? Okay. Yeah, now then- I've done it. I've done that and I've mm-hmm. done like the camp house uh, dehydrated. So like, Mm-hmm. It depending on whether or not I'm carrying a cooler. Cause I mean, you got, you got to think about gear, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. but for me, everything from your camping and comfort gear to now mm-hmm. I'm adding fishing gear. Now I'm adding, you know, five or six cameras. Cause I'm either shooting still cameras, video, something like that. And, I, and everything else that goes along with it. And, you know, maybe a drone or whatever you've got, you got all this gear that you got to look at. So, all right, you could pack a whole lot of camp house meals, which are good there. Or, or, you know, if there's other, other products, that's the ones that I use. But the camp house meals, all you got to have is water. 
and, and a heat source. So, you know, you get your hot water, you can make, you know, a pretty tasty meal. Of course, everyone of me needed hot sauce, but that's just my thing. Yeah. But, uh, uh, that was a pretty good setup and allowed me to have a, a good variety on, on one of our three day trips down to the swamp. But I got to admit, you know, it, yeah, my food's better than a camp house meal. Sorry, camp house. But, uh, uh, when I, when I do a mean grilling of a steak or I could pack up a country style rib or something like that and carry it to the bushes, heck yeah, it's a whole lot better than anything mm. dehydrated, you know? And, right. uh, and, and if you do it and freeze it in those, I, all I do is I double foil and, uh, and wrap it into a foil pack and then I freeze it just like that. So they stack well, they stack in your cooler well, and then all you do is pull them out and then just keep flipping them on that Kelly kettle and it'll soot them up on the outside, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not, you know, it's just heating your meat and then you open it up. So now I've got my plate or my bowl, you know, and the only thing I have to clean is, is my silverware and just make sure I carry my trash out with me. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to, I don't have to clean anything else other than my fork. And that's only on your britches leg. If you it got company around, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's interesting. It sounds good. I want to try that. It works out really. And there's certain things like the co- collard greens, you know, the, the, the ones that I make, they got a little kick to them. So, and they reheat very well. Uh, steak, uh, any, you know, or pork chop, something like that. It's got a little mm-hmm. bit of substance to it. The, the sausage actually does better than the bacon reheating, which is why I tend to do that. So if you throw you a, a few length sausages or smoked sausage in your breakfast one, and, you know, scrambled eggs, they always reheat well or, or, or breakfast taters or whatever you want to do. But that you'll find combinations that work better for you that'll reheat better. And I just put them on that that Kelly and sit there flipping back and forth and, you know, open them up. You see the steam rising off and you're ready to go, man. And having a good meal at, on a day of camp out there in the river. The only thing that would be better would be, you know, catching a mess of fish and cooking right there. But mm-hmm. for us, that means hauling oil flour you know cornmeal uh, cajun seasoning and all that and it's man it's just sometimes it ain't worth it to do all that that's a that's a day camping trip when i'm we camp in the park and then day trip out you know that that to me is that kind of deal uh i'll have those big meals then if i'm on the water i gotta i gotta think about my destination and Mm -hmm. how much i mean you look every pound you put in that kayak you are the motor so you're you're, every pound you put in there you're pushing and uh, you 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 start going that forty or fifty miles in three days time, and your shoulders are talking to you. Yes, sir. Uh, thank God for Benny Branch's paddles. Is all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that just from just uh, spot fishing. Benny Branch's yeah. has made it way more enjoyable. But <laughs> yes, I can sir. attest. I can also attest. Ounces equal pounds, and pounds equal pain. Oh, very much. And so. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I definitely can imagine, especially in a kayak, because it's not. That last, that the the last trip we went on the, the Tallapoosa trip, and the bad thing was, you think I, I've got a current, you know, and 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 I, it, the current's going three mile an hour. I'm going to go three mile an hour. No, yep. now fat people do float faster. I'll tell you that, but <laughs> you're not you're not going three mile an hour. Yeah. And, and I actually got in an argument, with Robert. We stopped to to cook our lunch, and I he, I said, man, I said we're about halfway there. He said we ain't even close. I said, no, nah. so we've we gone eight or nine miles. He said, Chris, we ain't even gone five. And uh, he pulled up and did it. He had been tracking. I, I think Gaia is his little app that he uses to track his way. And yep. it had said, it said 3.4 miles. I said, I'm going to beat you and that phone, you know? <laughs> and, and, and sure enough, I mean, we had not. And so then we were looking at having to do, you know, uh, almost 15. It was almost 16 miles from lunchtime to six o'clock that, at camp. 
And so there was very little fishing. It was just push, push, push. Uh, yeah. And by the time we hit camp, we were dead. I mean, it was it was pure grade A. You know, that I felt like the grave shift that day. Uh, <laughs> mm. I believe it. Oh, I, I know I've been there before where we like we can make four mile floats last twelve hours. Right. So like when my buddy's like, Hey, let's do this longer float that's eight miles, I'm like uh, I want to because it's a great float, but we will not. We'll be out there all day. That's exactly what yesterday was uh, uh, about nine miles, and we launched at nine, and I and I got home here after ten thirty at night. It was we got off the water at dark. Of course, we stopped and shot pictures, and you know yeah. did a bunch of other stuff. We, you know, just having having a good time. But yeah, it was pure grade A work, and we did not get to fish it as hard as you want to. You're paddling through water that you knew held a fish. Well excuse me, should hold a fish. Yeah. Uh, none, no, very seldom was that proven yesterday, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's the, and, and it's tough to paddle through and you're having to weed through water. Like, all right, this, there's a whole bunch of stickups. It's going to take you 30 minutes to fish them stickups. You know, you better move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy, especially when you're kayak fishing or boat fishing or, you know, if it bank fishing, it's a little bit easier to pull yourself away unless you're just having a killer day. But when you're right. kayak fishing or boat fishing, every piece of cover hold in your head there's a fish there and there's a fish there and there's a fish there and and you're not i me brad's had to pull me off cover because i will fish it until i catch something out of it right i don't care what it is i don't care how big it is and he's been like i mean he's hey i look over and he's 200 feet ahead he's like you coming i was like yeah i guess and i I feel like i'm missing a fish but like in your situation i mean you it's it's you're kind of fishing against time it's almost like you know if you don't because if you if you only go eight miles that day instead of the proposed 15, your it whole all plan adds has up. to change because <laughs> yes. I'm sure before you go out, you're looking at, you know, guy is a fantastic app. I used to do that when I overlanded in my Jeep and stuff and looking at places I can stop and park and things. So I'm sure you guys are using some GPS mapping to see something or at least the areas you might want to stop. Right. So, um, well, in the, in the Okefenokee swamp, where we do a lot of our trips, it, they're designated areas. And at any given time, there's only six parties in the swamp at night. And each one of them is on that specific chicky is what they're called, but it's a raised platform over the water or, or a hammock, an island. So each individual is on that island. And if, and if, you, if you don't get to that island, there's no other place in the swamp to camp. I mean, you are not on the top of the food chain there. So you better get to where you're going. And then, and then the next day you better be leaving because you're not spending two nights there. You're going to be snuggling up with the next group that's coming. So yeah, uh, it, it's, it's pretty organized and how you roll, but, but thankfully there's also mile markers out there that let you know, Hey, I, now there's what's bad is when you paddle past one and you miss it and don't, don't see it. Then you're like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, this is the longest mile on earth. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you, you mentioned a couple times. You mentioned at the beginning. Uh, your you know your last F is photography. Yes. And sir. then you you mentioned how you stop and take a bunch of pictures. Uh, it's it's 2022. A lot of us have technology when we go out with us, uh, whether it be phones, GoPros. I mean, I'm guessing you're you're taking actual you know SLRs and yes, big sir. bigger cameras. So how are you protecting that stuff? Because I I know people Man, who are I, listening go out with stuff. So. I tell you, uh, if I'm carrying stuff that I'm not getting to, I'll, I'll tend to put it in a Pelican case, you know, waterproof mm-hmm. and crush proof. And that's if I'm, I'm packing a lot of that kind of stuff. 
the stuff that I'm getting to quickly, I use a watershed bag and I am not sponsored by watershed bags. If they ever wanted to drop that, I'd be, I'd say, come y'all come on. Cause let me tell you, I preach watershed <laughs> bags. My bride has a pretty purple one. She has her own. Uh, and, and, and it, the thing I like about a watershed bag and you guys know when stuff happens, when you're fishing, it happens quick. And if I'm following you guys trying to get shots, you know, if you're sitting there fiddle farting around with a box and trying to get into it, you, you, your fish is done for. I need to be able, when I see you get fishy and hook up, I can grab that watershed bag and pop that seal and get to my camera and get it out, take a shot and get it back quickly and seal back up before I get into a danger zone, especially if I'm in moving water or something like that. And and I, I would recommend watershed bags to any person that deals with electronics. I, it's also where I have one that my cell phone, uh, my keys, uh, hypothetical shooting iron, uh, all that goes into that and, and it's protected and it will float if something happens. And that's the, you know, if you ditch, uh, you need to be able to get to the most important case, which is going to be your communication and hypothetical shooting iron. Yep. Watershed bags. Watershed bags are outstanding. I use the uh, Chatuga is the, a long one. If you have a longer lens on your cameras, uh, it's a long one. Uh, the Largo tote is a, is a deep one, but it's, it's more square and it, it holds a lot of gear. Uh, the Koei is a small bag and that's the one I usually carry like the DSLR. I shoot at 18 to 300. Most of the time that's my normal running gun and lens. And then I've got a little Sony, uh, that's more of a bridge type camera yeah. that goes 24 to 600 millimeter. But uh, it, it's an excellent camera, but I will not, I, I want that one for scenics and critters. Uh, the Nikon to, is much faster for shooting. Like uh, if I have to be able to get to a fish jumping, the Sony, it is, it takes too long to start up for me. So I want to be running. I'm, I will never get rid of my DSLRs for the speed that they can give me. Yeah, I the, the when right when you mentioned watershed, it was it ticked something in my head, and I, I didn't know what it was until I scrolled on their med website and I scrolled down a little bit, and he's got the there's a it's there he's it, the picture is a Navy SEAL because Navy uh, SEALs are just the media's like godsend, right, but whatever. Right. They're, well, they do a lot with military stuff, and they I think and they've they got do. Entire, and I had and yeah. I had I had uh, our unit owned uh, the long bags that they right. have the uh, what. I don't, we used to call them, we called them something completely different that we're probably not supposed to call them, but we call it, I mean, it's the weapon bag for the long gun. Yes. Sir. And when we did, I can only imagine. And, yeah. We said, we said a bunch of stuff, uh, uh, but we're, you know, we're, we're a family show, so I'm not going to say it. Um, but we and had, I've got one that's a backpack as well. And now that one I'll, I'll carry, like if, if we're going for our trips, I'll load all my clothes in that backpack. And then another trick is also, I load uh, clean clothes and all that around my camera gear. And so that serves two purposes. It cushions the camera gear and the watershed bags, and it keeps me from having to carry a liner for that bag uh, when, I, when I'm with the camera equipment. So it serves two purposes, cushion to the camera, and it allows me to put extra clothes in there. And, you know, especially in inclement weather, you, you though, having a, a set of dry clothes to get to quickly is yeah. beneficial as well. Oh, well, it's a huge morale boost. Yeah, being able to <laughs> yes, be dry sir. is it'll change your whole attitude. Yeah. Oh, unless it's summertime, then I don't mind being wet. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> well, actually, we, we just got done shooting the whitewater uh, worlds down here in Columbus, uh, the on the whitewater project, and my bride and I spent two whole days out on an island, a rock in the middle of the river, and baked our brains out, and I, I shot. <laughs> 4,600 images in a, in those few days that I was down there shooting all them flippy dippy boats. I don't even whitewater. I don't do that stuff, but man, it was fun to shoot. We had a good old time. 
That sounds fun. It was neat. That's cool. So these, uh, yeah, I, I added Matt. I added that to a show idea because I thought that'd be an interesting show. Watch that would be a bags. super interesting show. I've, like I said, I've used them before. They're fantastic bags, at least the military applications. But I'm, I'm assuming that it transfers over. I mean, oh man, I, I mine has flown. You know, when we fished in Panama, we went over to, uh, uh, to uh, oh goodness gracious, Los Buzos. Uh, and and paddled over there and had a uh, had a wonderful time. So I've flown there. Might have been to the Keys. Might have been drugged through uh, oyster mud. And I mean, you name it. They've and and I'm still on my original for years and years and years. But I've added to that brace. And then uh, I bought my wife a real pretty blue one, and and she turned around, and I actually got it back. And then I so, I, so then a purple one come out, and I had to buy her. So she's got her own <laughs> little purple one, but. If they ever come out with a lime green one, I'm buying another batch of them. I can promise that because that's one of my favorites. So, but I, I I have used, abused, and as long as you keep you keep 303 on the same stuff we use for caring for our kayaks and cleaning yep. them up. If you put that 303 on that zipper, that's the main thing that if folks ever are, uh, have problems with that zipper and you know just it's hard to close or, or hard to open. That 303 just butters it up. It protects it. And that's what you want to use on them anyway. They actually give you a packet of it when you buy them. But I'm telling you, man, that, that watershed bag is an, an awesome accessory for any cam any camera person. And like I said, your phones, for those of us that have phones that aren't waterproof, you know, stuff like that. Uh, communication devices, your car keys, and, and it'll float. So I like that a whole lot. Fantastic. Very cool. Uh, I know, Matt, you wanted to ask about I, I, something I in do, particular. Yeah, I do. So for it. it is. That's what I was going to say. I want to close with this. Um, so we've gone over all the gear. You've talked a little bit about the swamp. I want to talk about alligators because <laughs> as Ohioans, <laughs> we're never going to deal with this. We'll deal with cottonmouths. Uh, unfortunately, eastern diamondbacks are coming back into the state, which is great for the ecosystem, but I don't want that here. But whatever. It's fine. <laughs> They're coming back. I've had some run-ins with gators uh, in, a, in a kayak. I had one chase me that was as big as my 12-foot ascend when I first got that, and that scared the crap out of me. What time uh, of year was it? Uh, that was in uh, July in North yep. Carolina. Yep, she yeah. had babies. Yeah, well. I, 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 I bet you it wasn't a he. I, I bet you she didn't have lower gear, and I bet you she had babies. <laughs> well, I can tell you intuitively uh, where I pulled out and drug my kayak as fast as I could and watched her sit in the water and swim away. She oh, yeah. ate a dog from there about a week later, and she's currently on display in a bar in Topsail, North Carolina, because they mm -hmm. end up killing it because it ate a dog and almost attacked a person. So that makes sense why it was so aggressive. It was just protecting right. its young. But I, but it well, was big honestly, and it scared me. So you, the, what, what, what have you dealt with with gators in the swamp? The only time that I've ever, I, honestly, I, and I, we now, I, and I, I sent y'all that one picture. I don't know if that worked out or not, but, yep. but you know, when you see some of the places that we go, that's Lord. that, that's the little reflection shot. But that <laughs> other one that had the the pile of gators going up in there, um, when when you see that one, there, I mean, there's. It's not unusual to see that one. Now that's there is nothing uh, photoshopped on that. That is a, a a real image, and that is one of the holes that we fish. And yes, I fished it right like it sits right there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here 
and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. There's like nine alligators right there. <laughs> oh, there's probably a whole lot more than that. Yeah, if, if, I'm not of, about. Yeah, but, and, and look, every one of them was a grown one. I mean, that there ain't no dink in that bunch. I can promise you that. And I have fought them. I mean, I've been out, you know, alligator season in Alabama. I've, I've, I've harvested several, and uh, our biggest was 12 foot, 4 inches long, and 650 plus pounds, had a 44-inch oh, girth on its tail. And, and I Jeez. fought that on a hand line uh, up to the boat with two other fellers. And let me tell you, you, it will make you appreciate their strength. So I, I by far respect these animals. And, and yeah. that's what, unfortunately, most of the ones that people have dealt with that are any type of a, a, any type of a hazard. I mean, these critters don't want you around. They don't want you near them. You know, the ones that are a problem are ones that some knucklehead has decided to start feeding marshmallows because it's cute. Hey, honey, come look at this gator. eat this marshmallow. Next thing you know, some little kid shows up with no marshmallow and he is the marshmallow. And it's because some knucklehead fed it. And, uh, and unfortunately, when they acclimate to people, that's the most dangerous time. I will say the, the other time is going to be your breeding season. Now, this was shot in February. Uh, if you were down there later on in, in end of March, early April, you'll start hearing the bulls bellowing. When you get close to an area where they're bellowing, and they're bellow all over the place, but you'll hear them. And you, you do not want to be near two bulls that are showing off toward each other. It's just like a bar fight. If you see two jokers jump up and get in their face, you better turn around and go the other way because they're going to pull you into it too. And that's exactly what happens with a bull gator. When they start getting territorial, you do not want to be where they're at. So all you got to do is give them room. Just turn around yeah. and paddle the other way or paddle yeah. around them. Now, a female, when she has a nesting area, she's going to tack back and forth. You'll see her. She'll As you get closer to them, uh, and I think, you know, even Christine Fisher had a video where she was going up into a spot that a gator was getting aggressive. I, that gator would have been tacking back and forth to as a warning to let you know, hey, I, I, this is my area. I've got a nest here and you are not welcome. They will warn you all, every time when you're near them. Now, I say the worst to me was we run over one in really, really shallow water. And now I do not go into the, the pads unless I'm making noise. You'll see on my videos, I'm talking to myself. Well, I'm talking to myself because I'm letting the alligators know, hey, I'm, I'm coming through. Y'all, y'all, let's, let's share this place together. You don't want to surprise one. And, uh, yeah. and, and that's so if you go over one in shallow water, he's going to blow up, but he's not trying to get you. He's trying to get away from you. And, and unfortunately, it may end up ruining your drawers in the process. Um, <laughs> And, and we had one that actually came up chasing us. They was chasing a fish that my son had. And my son was on the bank, and he was backing up with the fish. And that gator came out of the water to chase that fish. And I had a push pole and had to stop that gator on the way to my boy. Of course, he was just going after the fish. He wasn't, he wasn't going after the boy. But it's still spooky enough to see. So I would yeah. say outside of the 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 people that have screwed up the ecosystem by feeding them themselves and down there the they actually have learned that if there's a splashing fish it's a dinner bell so I, I i if i'm fishing in the swamp i always carry a net so i can land the fish quickly i had one i was fighting a bow fin he was splashed beside the boat and the guy ho hollered behind me gator coming and i i was in a 12-foot kilroy and put the paddle against my chest and pulled and saw a 12 plus foot gator at flank speed had water shooting off the side of his face running at me. 
And, uh, and he stopped right next to me and I flipped that bow fin up between my legs. And I, you know, kind of ironic that I had one toothy critter outside of the boat and one toothy critter <laughs> twitched my leg. And, uh, but that's, I'm going to stay there. I had to paddle away from him, unhook that fish and throw it. And as soon as I threw the fish away, he was gone. But see, he had been fed and learned that yeah. a splashing fish was a dinner bell. And that's the ones, that's the ones you got to watch out for is ones where we've messed up. And then, don't get in their place, especially springtime during that spawning season. Just be aware. I mean, the bulls will reveal themselves. They'll show you what they're doing. The females will definitely reveal themselves. And if you see a, a mound of vegetation uh, over near the bank, don't go look at it. That's a yeah. bad idea, you know. <laughs> I don't think I want to go down to Alabama and fish now. Oh, yeah, man, I mean, look. It's, I tell you, and I tell we don't you have them. A whole lot of them here right below us. Now, Eufaula uh, is where our, the gator line actually stops right below my house here. So if you fish south of Columbus, you're going to run into gators. And on through Fort Benning, I'm sure some of y'all are familiar with Fort Benning, but on through Fort Benning and on down into the Eufaula Wildlife Refuge, there are some gators down there that, that are big enough to tow trucks. Um, they don't hold a candle to the Okefenokee. Now, if you want to get over your fear of gators, you go spend your day in that Okefenokee, and it'll it'll teach you a lesson or two. Uh, by the time you get to the 50th 12-footer, you'll be like, oh, gee, look, another 12-foot alligator. Yeah. So do so, they come up and do they, do they ever just nose your boat or anything? No, I've had them swimming right beside me. I mean, literally, the our oh, first trip down there, the, the cut trails – you're sharing these cut trails with the gators. And as you're going by them, they're hissing at you going, hey, you know, and it's oh, just kind of like, Hey, you're too close. I'm like, I, ain't, I can't paddle over there. We've got to share this place. You moron. But yeah, it'll, <laughs> it'll definitely make you pucker up. But, but no, I, I have never had one uh, bother my boat. Like I said, even that one that came in at flank speed, he stopped. Now he stopped. I could have touched him with the paddle, but uh, he didn't come mm -hmm. over to the boat. So. Mm -mm. <laughs> I, mm -mm. And, but they they will not let you paddle with like a, even a service animal they they that is a temptation a dog is a gator kryptonite so you you don't want any type of an animal with you in the boat down there and the, the funny thing i i my phone my proximity alarm for the house is baby gators grunt which is just i don't know why i'm warped but i do that but that it's funny to me <laughs> but it it never works in the swamp because you know there's no service well, I had actually floated backwards into some lily pads one time and that phone went off and I started, my kayak started chirping like baby alligators. Yes, that was a bad situation. Oh. So I couldn't mute that thing fast enough. Oh man. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. Are I you, don't know. So are you actually like camping down in these areas? No, the, uh, the, the, now the hammocks are, are an island. And the chickies are a raised platform that you camp on. And, 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 but I mean, right by raised platform, literally it's 18 inches above the water. So at night underneath your tent, you hear alligators oh. swimming and oh, uh, you'll hear frogs God. that'll be, you know, uh, uh, it'll be rivet, rivet, rivet. And then you'll hear, and it'll get, and then it'll get real quiet. Like, well, that just got eight, you know, <laughs> but yeah, you can literally hear them go underneath your chickie. And I mean, they're, they don't get up on the chickies. They will get on the steps, but as soon as you come around the corner, only the small ones will stay around. The big ones don't want anything to do with you. That's why you see everyone, when I pulled into this that creek, every one of them was swimming away from me. They don't want anything to do with you. The little ones are the, are the cheekier ones. They haven't learned to fear us yet. Yeah. Uh, and that, they will get up on the steps of the cheeky. But, I mean, in in however many years of, of folks going to the Okefenokee, 
nobody has ever had an issue with it. The only death that I'm aware of was a, an elderly gentleman hit a tree and unfortunately ejected his wife a couple of years ago. And that's, that's, that's the only death that I know of that's happened around the Okefenokee Swamp. It's as, as many critter interactions as you can have on that place. It's even black bears. You know, I, I shot a gorgeous black bear there on my camera two years ago that actually was the, the refuge pass pictured this year. I won that contest with that picture. So it was kind of awesome. But I mean, they have bears, they have, you know, uh, bobcats, every species of venomous snake known to man. Uh, and so it's a lot of stuff down there that can get you, but it's, it's an extremely safe place with a little bit of, of straight thought on, on your part. Huh. Hmm. I still don't know if I didn't want to do it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> oh man. I, I, say, I, I would like... recommend now that one thing that we do is our, most of our camps are going to be from October to april at the latest and a gator will not feed when his body temperature is like in the low 80s and under because they can't digest it it likes to go septic in them so on the cooler months which is their peak season uh the gators aren't going to eat that's when all the otters come out you'll see all the all the stuff that'll swim next to an alligator because he's not doesn't have to worry about getting bit yeah. um the and the reason we do it is not because of the alligator safety it's because of yellow flies and yellow flies are the most evil critter known to man <laughs> And they come out down there after April. And trust me, I am not man enough. If you ever see me in the swamp in after May, uh, it's because I'm having to hide from the law down there. I can promise you that. There's no reason to be there. Uh, them yellow flies are, there's nothing. They'll land in 100% deep and walk around in it like it's a sauna and love it. Yep. Oh, oh that, that sounds like, like American Australia. Which oh, dude! Just... I'll tell you, they they land with a they got a, a pitchfork in one hand and a pocket knife in the other, and as soon as they hit you, they take a plug, and it'll scar you, and and Ooh. it is the most evil thing known to man. There's nothing that bothers me more than the yellow fly, and there's nothing good to say. It's like, Lord, why, why this bug? And uh, yeah. but thank God it only lasts through the hot months, and 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 then they're gone again. Usually, uh, beginning of October, they're not there anymore. Now, skeeters are bad, but you can manage skeeters. Yeah. You can't yeah. manage a yellow fly. That they that is not something that you can stop. I need to know what a yellow fly is now. I never even is seen it like a horse one. fly kind of. We have tiny. They're tiny, like a deer fly. It, it's smaller. They're like a deer fly. But I, yeah, there's there's nothing. Uh, I've got a, oh. a homemade bug dope that I make that 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 addles them a little bit. But you have to cover head to toe if the yellow flies are thick. Yeah, yeah. I I was in Minnesota one time and I got bit by. Uh, they were horse flies up, up but they're huge uh, all over my legs. And man, I got these huge, like purple welts all over. Yes, sir. It was bad. Uh, oh, yellow flies will scar you for life. If they get a hold of you. The first time we were there, they were so thick. We had to have our face masks down and we had to eat inside our face. Yeah. I, I, I still remember having a dang oatmeal pie, man. I'd love to have one of them. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, oatmeal pie shoved up in that face mask, trying to eat on it to keep the dang yellow flies from getting in my mouth. <laughs> oh, that's crazy, man! Well, good uh, good thing that we our listeners, like our Ohio listeners, they don't have to deal with this stuff when they're kayak camping on the river. <laughs> yeah, the worst thing we have to deal with, at least in our area, is cottonmouths 
and crackheads. Well, that's and, and you're. I was going to say that man. The biggest fear that the folks have is is them two legged ones. Yeah, and I, I had I had a couple of them come up behind me in Birmingham uh, last month that scared me so bad. And you know, you you try to be situationally aware of what's going on around you. Yep. And I was in the middle of the stream, and I turned around, and they're standing by my bag on the creek bank, which had everything that I should have had on me to protect me was over in that bag, and it shook me so bad. I mean, I couldn't have caught a fish on a rooster tail after that. I was it. I was shaking like a dog trying to pass a peach pit when I got out of there. But oh, thankfully, I I went over and talked to them, and I was and and I I could see them when they started talking about how nice my pack was and my bag was. And I'm like, man, I appreciate. It. I'm gonna let y'all have this hole right here. I'm gonna step over this hill and go check out this other one. And as soon as I crested the hill, I was strapped. I'm telling you. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I walked out of there as fast as I could. So yeah. it's, it's important you. here. Here in Ohio too, so that's another good. Uh, <laughs> it is another good point. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's why I stay nice and strapped all day long. <laughs> oh. Yes, sir. Um, let's see. Well, there was there was something else I was just gonna say. I just forgot. <laughs> I hate when that say, happens. But if if folks ever need any, I mean, I try to be. You know, I, I'm folks see me yeah. on Facebook, and we try to answer questions. And I, of course, I do a little bit. Like I said, my YouTube channel, I have fun with it, but. uh there's there's some stuff we try to as as my bride and I come up with stuff like man this is this is a question we hear either through podcasts or forums or somebody asks us and then we say well look if if one person's hunting this information maybe other people's are, are other folks are too so we'll we'll come back and shoot a video kind of you know like even on the swamp how to do it I did a I did a how to on the planning and 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 the execution I did a how to on the loading the kayak on dry loading and how to plan that. And then some, some certain, you know, products that we use like the Kelty tent and the climate mm -hmm. mat, just to kind of show people, because, Hey man, I, this is, we're all, all hunting this information. And just like if y'all ever did want to come down and experience the swamp, man, it, it, I would say everybody ought to do it at least once in their life. And, uh, and to me, if I had to pick a time, you know, probably February through March would be the best time in the world to do it. And especially you fellas live up there in that frozen north, you you would like that break because if you come down that way by February, everything's greening up, and the fish are usually going nuts. So you could yeah. be ripping lips and having a good old time while your buddies are back home shoveling that evil white stuff. But uh, <laughs> I I would recommend you know that to anybody. But that's and if we can help out in any way, man, please y'all shoot me a message, shoot me a text, whatever. And, and I'll, I'll do my best to, to shoot straight with you. I have screwed up a lot of stuff. And that's the only reason I have so much knowledge is I know exactly what not to do in a lot of situations because I was either too dumb to ask or thought, ah, I got this. Yeah. Well, I, I, now I just see, see if I can help out and I'm not too smart to ask for help. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking about doing something between February and March next year before oh, we go down to go down to Dale hollow for our, the paddle and fin tournament. So, uh, maybe if you get a wild hair, look up Stephen C Foster state park in Fargo, Fargo, Georgia. That's our favorite place to go down there. And it's a, a full service state park, you know, and, and I would recommend, uh, day tripping if you, and, and you can stay in the park and then launch right there and fish the Swanee seal. Now there's not a lot of bass. Uh, the pH in the swamp is about a, is four kind of like orange juice. So there's not a lot of bass down there on the Swanee side. There are, uh, but in the swamp, your main target's going to be bowfin and down there, they're called blackfish or mudfish. And then mm -hmm. jacks, which are chain pickerel, uh, gigantic warmouth and a gorgeous, uh, fish called a flyer 
it kind of looks like a crappy and a bluegill did the, the nasty together, but it's a, <laughs> it, it's a beautiful, incredibly turquoise blue when they're in their breeding colors. Uh, it's a beautiful fish and man, so much fun. I mean, it's just a, it's an experience that you will never forget, uh, the, the stuff that's down there and what you get to see. I'd recommend that. I'd recommend that trip to anybody. Very cool. I'll have to remember that one. So, Oh yeah. We'll talk about it. Um, Chris, is there anything else that you wanted to add as in regards to kayak camping on a river? Just make sure that you go. I, I got to say, man, I, I, we, I had a conversation with uh, Miss Jean Wilson uh, today, and, and it was something that somebody else shared on Facebook because she run a little whitewater, and, and, and really, really, she rocked it. I mean, it was the first time she'd ever done that, and she rocked it. We had a, a, a definitely had a few episodes of some some of us getting wetter than what we wanted to, but but I told her as somebody shared a little post on Facebook said nobody talks to their grandkids about the time that they sat on the bench, you know. And and let me tell you when when I lost I lost my daddy, I was thirty six years old, lost daddy to cancer, and the life that we had before that was probably more fun than most folks have in two lifetimes. So to me, my motto after losing him was I'm going to live the adventure. You know, a handful of memories is a whole lot better than a truckload of wishes. So you live that adventure. And I want every day possible that I can have a wonderful experience with my bride or even if it's just me on the river or with my boy or with other folks. So I would say my biggest thing is to make the plans. Don't say we're going to do it one day. Man, one day may not come. We are not promised yeah. tomorrow. You know, and, and we're to, to, to live and have life more abundantly. And, and I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I, I think by getting out and going, it makes us better folks. We get to share that experience and pass that on to other people. And so that would be my biggest thing is to make the plans and stick to them. Every year I, I say, look, I'm going to do this. And I put it out amongst my friends. And I say, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this on these dates. And there is one rule. If you don't show up, I go anyway. And that's my, and people say, you be mean. I'm like, no, no, I'm telling you, I'll tell you where I'm going to go and when I'm going to be there. And this is your invite. I will not beg you to come, Mm -hmm. but if you don't come, you're going to miss out because I'm going anyway, because I got (laughs) to live my life. So I would say my biggest, my biggest tip would be, man, make those plans, live that adventure and just do it and live it up. I like it. I like it. That's that's a that's motivator right there. <laughs> I tell you what, Chris, I'm gonna get your picture and just blow it up behind me, and I'm gonna put that on there. That'll, That'll work. work. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> well, it's been a fun episode. I know I've learned a lot stuff I never thought about. So, uh, oh, for sure, man, appreciate, appreciate you coming on the show. Me. Thank y'all. Y'all um, take care. Yeah, you too. Um, Matt, you got anything else? Nothing else, man. Chris, thanks for coming on. Learned a lot, just like Brad said. I think this is going to be super informative to a lot of our viewers out there um, that have these questions. So I love it. If you have any questions, feel free. Reach out to Chris, like he said, or reach out to us, and we can reach out and uh, get you those answers. But other than that, thanks for watching and listening. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League. 
at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina. The beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.